Welcome back to Dum Dums 2099, where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into a futuristic world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Alan, trapped in the future, has joined forces with Declan and Honor System on their quest to find the Prodigals. But who betrayed the details of their dead drop? Will they survive this ambush by the Regulators? And if Alan dies in the future, what the hell happens in the past? Find out next on Dom Doms and Dragons 2099. Okay, unleash friendship! And you hear a horrific blast and whine, and you can see a pod of micro rockets flying at the building behind you. I'm gonna yell, fucking run! Honor system, since you're already out in the open, you're in the clear, but Alan and Declan, I'm gonna need you to please roll me a save using evasion, and you have to beat a 12. 14. 7. Alan, you launch off magic missiles. You hear friendship and you remember how unpleasant that was in mm-hmm. your universe. So you just fucking book it. But Declan, you were still down your scope. So you're, you're flat-footed as you run. The building erupts, sort of a shower of concrete and glass. You will take four points of damage from like falling debris and blast radius. And you are thrown out into the square. Bourbon Sherbert will like fly after you and start like trying to tug you. You can hear the building that you were just in start to crumble and fall. I want to go collect Declan if he needs any kind of assistance. So you rush out to get Declan? Yeah. They'll get two shots of opportunity on you. One will hit. So that's six points of damage. I'm actually going to use a special skill. I'm going to be basically running at you and have that cool samurai thing happen where I push my thumb up on the hilt of the blade so it's like part drawn and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And this is pure bullshit flavor, but as that first bullet comes (laughs) whizzing by, my entire visor goes red and I draw my blade for the first time and Legion cuts the bullet. I have a skill that says once per scene as an instant, negate a successful attack roll against me. And I would would like to do that. Just four (laughs) eyes. Commandant Pim Pim goes, the fuck was that? Yeah, you make it to Declan and you grab him and start dragging him. Alan, what are you doing to cover them, if anything? Do we have people shooting at us still? There are still bullets coming out of the building. Above it, you can see the hydro launcher that's launching micro rockets. Mm. And you can see like Commandant Pim Pim and vague shapes up on, on top. I'm going to try magic missile again. Sure. I want to try to take out that launcher. Okay. I'm going to do this at level three. So I'm going to fire three at that. And then I'm going to fire one and one at... Comment on Pim Pim and where one of the muzzle flashes is. Okay, great. My other one. So go ahead and roll your attacks. I'm going to have you roll a disadvantage against the guy because everyone up there is like ducking in and out of cover, but the launcher, I will give you advantage. So let's do the launcher first. 16 to hit. Pim Pim is 21. Then that other muzzle flare is nine. So nothing on the other muzzle flare, which makes sense because they're ducking and weaving. You'll hit Pim Pim and the launcher. So roll the launcher first, please. 15. Great. And Pim Pim, please. Six. Magic Missile hits Pim Pim. He does that thing that really beefy dudes can do where it takes it on the um, upside-down pot that he's wearing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, it's a cool (laughs) sci-fi pot, but, like, (laughs) strong enough. Um, But it's strong enough that you hear, like, a ping, and it bumps him against the launcher, and he's like, is that the best you've got? And then your Magic Missiles hit the launcher, and the launcher explodes, um, incinerating him. With the explosion and distraction, on our system, you're able to pull Declan to safety. Um, Declan, you're a little fucked up, but you can still walk. It's the Laura Dern in Jurassic Park limpy run, but you can limpy run. <laughs> run. Run. <laughs> but hug first, and then run. Quick question, just about reloading, because we're in a world of guns that have to reload. The way we're going to play reloads, this is a homebrew rule that I read online that I really like. For this, every time you fire based on your magazine size, I'm going to get you to roll a dice. 
if you roll a one on that dice, then you need to spend an action reloading. So for your sniper rifle, roll a d4. If you roll a one, you've got to reload. Otherwise, you're just cranking the shot out. When it comes to my sniper rifle, Frederick, <laughs> they don't all have to be women. <laughs> Equality. Uh, is it is it like a laser weapon? Is it a classic slug rifle? Like what's the... Uh, what would you like it to be? I would like a combo weapon if we want to go with it. I think it should be a quick blast of like a very fine laser shot that's just there to try to singe through any armor or cause a weak point and then it's followed up with a hard slug. Sure. Yeah. A lot. So yeah. you still have slugs. So. so it's still slugs. Yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of load. It's silenced and all and that if shit. It, if it was lasers, it would still be pop a new energy cell in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So going forward, anytime you shoot, please roll me a d4. That makes perfect sense. So as we're running into the building, I'm just going to be like, oh, Frederick, you handsome bastard. We got two of them. And I'm limping along. I roll a four. So Great. I don't so need you're to good. reload. System, where the fuck do we go? You see one of those large white delivery vans on hover skids. It's clearly for like a very fancy looking goblin bakery. And a uh, guy with like kind of long hair peeks out of the window. He's like, come on, come on, get in, get in. Ranger. That's right. It's me, Ranger. And I look to the other two. I say, get in. I sling my rifle over my back, draw the pistol, and then I'm in the back of the van. I just dive in after him. Alan, you are shocked to see Ranger, Ranger. driving this, this vehicle. He's got long hair, but he's actually like remarkably clean cut. Um, oh. And he's got like horn-rimmed reading glasses. He seems to be wearing a suit. Automatically, I say, Ranger, yes, what are you doing me. here? I'm Ranger. And he floors oh, it. And I just say, I just kind of like, oh, right. Great. So uh, he takes off at a clip. As he drives, he explains that the uh, ex-Japan yeah. site uh, <laughs> has been compromised. And as a result, House Typhus and House Ventus sent regulators in to attempt to break up the deal. Good news is you took out one of Ventus's vice chairman, who's kind of known for his skill in combat, but not for blocking bullets with his head. So uh, you managed to escape, which is great, and you struck a minor victory despite the losses. Okay. He kind of like takes you down through like a variety of back alleys. We got to take you to see the boss. Uh, we got to go see Falstaff. I'm sitting there with like shrapnel injuries and a rifle, and I'm like, the boss has a medic, right? Because otherwise, mm-hmm. I think we should maybe stop off on the fucking way. He says, uh, if, if she's as important as you say she is, then uh, we need to get her back now. I don't like this fucking ranger guy. <laughs> Alan, you've had some medical training in past. Do you want to attempt to choose yeah, ones? Because right. I've I've treated physical wounds sure before. Have. I'm going to give you the heal skill at plus one. Cool. Go ahead and roll that check. And I'm going to whisper through my comm link to honor system. Stay close to the front. Keep an eye on where we're going. These people could fuck us over just as easy as the regulators. I think I'll say for your communications, you've got that Metal Gear subocular thing where as long as you're kind of like speaking them like this. Yeah, it goes that. through. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I was doing. For like RP purposes, do it at full volume, but yeah. we'll just know that these aren't like you guys just saying it out loud. In the He's like, I can hear you. Uh, honor system will use his thumb to just nudge that blade up. So it's cool. just that yep. much easier to draw. All right. Healing five. I yell, fucking ass. Yeah. You, you, you poke around a bit, but this is beyond. This is, this is unfamiliar territory. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately you are unable to regain any HP from that. Seriously? We better get fucking paid for this. The bakery truck eventually pulls up next to a very swanky looking sci-fi club where there's like holograms, sexy dancing outside. <laughs> It's a um, happening joint called the Right Side Up Top Hat. Um, <laughs> and uh, you uh, you hop out and... Um, Just let me clear, Tom. Everything you're doing is the perfect amount yeah. of bad. <laughs> Thanks, baby. That's what I'm here for. Um, you let up to the door. There's like two big hulking orc bouncers who look you up and down. One of them turns to the other one. She's like, 
Oh, this one looks pretty rough. Yeah, I've had better days, but at the same time, you know, look how handsome this one is. And I just point at Honor System. And Honor System has torn his white pantsuit top mm-hmm. off and is just wiping down his chassis that's covered in blood and gore. <laughs> she laughs and says, hey, you guys are all right. Have a couple on me. And she slips you two drink chips. Thank you very much, new friend. You're brought in and brought over to a booth, kind of Han Solo and Chewie in a New Hope style. Mm-hmm. And Ranger is like, yeah, Mr. Falstaff will be with you soon. Just uh, hang tight. And so he fucks off. And uh, think of him a little bit in terms of what he looks like in this world as Fisk's sidekick in like season one of Daredevil. Yes. Like he's just like oh, yeah. a very efficient, vaguely smarmy businessman. Vaguely smarmy businessman who happens to be Ranger. So he's still got like the long, luxurious hair. You're pretty sure he's got a twist knot in So him. he's sort of Miami Vice- Ranger? Yes, yeah, oh 100%. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes over to the bartender and kind of points to you guys. And a couple of minutes later, a halfling comes over with some bandages and just kind of like very quietly slaps like a medipatch on your leg and says, hope this makes you feel better. Compliments of the house and you will regain four HP. Oh, that feels the whole world a better friend. Here, this one's for you. I give him the drink chip. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you very much, sir. I don't mind if I do. Just the tooth thing where he like bites and he's like, haha, yeah, it's just a little halfling humor. All right, thank you. He fucks off. You get the sense that this patch is much more effective than it really had any right to be and that maybe Alan's work laid the groundwork. <laughs> As Laura maybe. shrugs smarmily. <laughs> <laughs> As we sit there, as we're waiting, I realize tying the link between maybe the magic actually works and I'm just an asshole and this med patch, because I want to continue Alan's sort of like education and survival, because the one thing I've learned is if you're a good guy who doesn't know much, you just get fucked over constantly in these places. Yeah, yeah. So you got the pistol. Obviously, things went super shit over there. So that's why you don't want to get pinned down by the regulators. Now, these people seem friendly. We got to admit, gave us med pack. They set everything up. They seem cool with us when we're here. They could still fuck us over at any moment. So the rule of the bar is, as you look around, you want to be able to see both of people's hands. Anybody, if you can't see a hand, could be a gun. you got to assume it is from a tactical perspective. From a nicey-nice perspective, don't be like, freeze, motherfucker, and pull your gun. But paranoid about hands is a good thing. Okay. you got to look out okay. for number one. Number one is you. In this case, number one ask. is also us. But if you really want to learn the lesson, you got to realize we might fuck you over at some point. And that sounds confusing because it is. And that's the world. To be honest, I might fuck you over too. It would seem that she has learned well from Master Xanthus. Bourbon Sherbert, I think you're right. With that declaration of like, honestly, I might screw you over. Honor system would chime in and just be like, I like her. So I think we can agree. We both don't want to kill her. Am I right? <laughs> and I hold up a fist for a fist bump. And I tap that. Having somewhat cemented your bonds of friendship-ish. <laughs> um, bonds of honesty. <laughs> Ranger comes back over and he's like, Mr. Falstaff, I'll see you now. He uh, gestures towards a back room. We'll stand up and go, I guess. So he leads you back through the club past a variety of people like dancing to a weird Skrillex remix of Teenage Dirtbag. And he's like, I picked this one. Then eventually leads you down a back hallway to an office. There's like two guards at the door. Ranger kind of nods to them. And he's like, these three are all right. He opens the door and you step into the office. Inside the office, there's sort of a large massive desk, giant wingback chair. And sitting in the chair is a thin, elvish man with a tiny pencil mustache. Then he throws up his hands and he says, Oh, welcome, welcome. So glad you were all able to make it. Please, take a seat. Uh, my name is Fiddlesworth. I just whisper, don't trust him. And then I sub-vocalize to Honor System. I'm like, she's ready to get in it, you know? It's like a broken <laughs> telephone with technology. <laughs> yeah. I say to Honor System, I'm like, just don't talk for the first bit. No matter how much you want to, I'd like you to just stay quiet for like 90 seconds. 89. <laughs> 88. 87. Um, so, uh, and you just hear that in your ear. 
subdermally <laughs> as the conversation plays out. So uh, Fiddlesworth comes around the front of the desk and he comes to shake your hand and he introduces himself as Fiddlesworth Falstaff. Nice to meet you. So we got the stuff you wanted. When do we get paid? Can we meet the prodigals? And what if we've got some extra shit? Well, as you're shaking your hand, he's like, oh, but you just did. You're a little surprised to hear the name Falstaff thrown around so much because currently one of the five board members is FFNS, which is a large retail giant. Think Jim Living from Dragon's Den. Like they own a lot of restaurants. They own the Shag Nasties chain, all that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, the, the name stands for Falstaff, Falstaff and Sons. To find one of the board members' husbands involved in the prodigals is quite surprising. So he's married to somebody. Carmine Falstaff, he, one of the board members. Are these small fish or big fish? FFNS is one of the five houses that is, is currently in control okay, of cool. Colorado. Got it. Alan, this definitely looks like the Fiddlesworth you remember. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, sans any blight hammer shit. Right. Fillsworth explains to you that the right side up top hat is one of the off the books ownings and holdings of FFNS, mm-hmm. and that he and his husband have been quietly financing the prodigals for quite some time. He thanks you for delivering the access codes. Any inside personnel data on Typhus is good as gold because, in a world controlled by, for lack of better analogy, like tons of personal data. Mm. Having those records can allow infiltrators, all sorts of shit. He hands you a black data card that's uh, sort of blacklist credits. Think about it almost as like a cycling phone number, like they pull from different accounts, so they're vaguely traceable, for 10,000 credits for the successful delivery of the gear. Then he he turns to Honor System and he says, Now, I believe you said there was something else. 23. So, 22. wanted to talk to you. Honor System's going to stay a little quiet for a second. We heard you have an interest in magic. Is this true? His eyes kind of widen. He says, oh, yes. Why do you have an interest in magic? Well, our world is dying. Can't you see? All around us are greater technology, worse environments. The people are doing worse and worse. Typhus continues to seize more and more of the world. Ever since magic went, our world has been in decline. Our goal should be to return magic to its proper place, not to snuff it out and use it to power our machines. Have you ever wondered where the mages went? I have abstractly, but I've sort of been dealing with more uh, immediate concerns. So let's say we were to know someone who could use magic. Would you want an introduction? Are you trying to buy a kidnapping? Do you want us to, I don't know, kill him so you can chop him open and see what their insides are? Okay. No, no. In the name of Moonhammer, keep them safe. We need them. Any mage who hasn't been sent to the stack is necessary to bring magic back into this world. So what's the stack then? Surely one of you must know. And he goes over and opens a drawer and pulls out like a double-barreled laser shotgun. And he's like, what power is this? Quantum energy. Where do you think that quantum energy comes from? Three, two, one. And Honor System says, almost all quantum energy is traced back to the great loss. I sub-vocalize. Don't tell him that she can use magic, okay? We're going to figure out that. That's the one secret we need to keep secret. And then we continue. Like, sure. <laughs> we, we've been doing this for so long that we will have full conversations yeah, while absolutely. talking oh, to somebody else. I'm sure it's like making full eye contact, being like, oh yeah, no, that is an interesting public argument. you got to kill him. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like when I used to work on a prank show in real life, and I would have an earpiece in telling me where to stand and throwing additional things to say in conversation, right. and I never got caught. Um, and Alan, <laughs> what are you doing during this? It's okay I, if you're just like listening. Yeah, no, intently. I'm just kind of laser focused on every single word. I tweaked at Moonhammer. Falstaff goes and pulls out a uh, tome. It's like an old like paper book. You guys, you don't see many of these. They kind of slams it down on the table and flips it open and fills with Falstaff is like, quantum energy existed long before the great loss. Uh, just at that point, we called it magic. It was wielded by talented individuals, mages who could weave and control the powers of the world. But when the gods were driven away, the magic went with them. And now only the very talented can pull those quantum energies out. And all of them are sent to the stack. 
That's what powers everything in our world. We're just slowly sucking what remaining energy is left in a dying planet. Just to be clear, and I like look at everyone in the room to make sure I'm following this, you're saying the people who still have magical abilities were using them as batteries to keep technology running? That's correct. Typhus can't possibly power the amount of things he has. He can't make the technological leaps he's making without some huge sacrifice. And that sacrifice is the quantum power of all the remaining mages. So if we find a mage, we bring him to you, you're going to use him as a battery? No, no, no. Our world cannot survive at the rate Typhus is consuming magical energies. We need to bring those energies back. We need to bring our gods back. And he pulls out a medallion around his neck that has the proper sigil of Moonhammer mm. on it. And he kisses it and then puts it back down his shirt. So we bring you a mage and then they become like a hero of the resistance kind of thing. And then we well, go I mean, and free all the other mages. I mean, we know so very little about it. I mean, we would have to talk to them and start to figure out if they are even capable of wielding magic, if they are capable of bringing it back. But more importantly, we need to keep them out of the hands of the regulators and the rest of the conglomerata. Do you have like a private room where we could talk for a minute? He like kind of looks around his office. There's like no other door so he just kind of picks up his shotgun and says yes you can have five minutes and he walks out this episode is sponsored by shopify when we started podcasting an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind but now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products all because we use shopify Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices if people were outside of the U.S. were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Hello, I am Bernard Sherbert, the survivalist Rupert from Dum Dums and Dragons, and I am here to help you survive the boredom of day-to-day life by helping to engage in the wonderful storytelling, whimsy, comedy, and occasional tragedy of the Dum Dums and Dragons adventures. If you would like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, that is D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E, and you can join for as little as $1 a month, which will gain access to our Patreon-only Discord, where you can hang out with other people who have also listened to the things you have listened to and seen the things you have seen and thus can describe them with you. Or, at higher levels, you can get ad-free feeds where you can avoid ads like this one. Or, alternatively, at even higher levels, you can add an NPC name, like Bourbon Gerbert was. Or, you can add your own NPC that you build at the highest level and get your name in the credits. Name in the credits. Name in the credits. Sorry, I had to say that three times because it is very, very, very cool. This has been Bourbon Sherbert encouraging you to go join patreon.com slash dumdumdice. See you in the future. Bleep bloop. Okay, this is awkward, but honor system and bourbon sherbet. If you guys have any abilities I don't know about, and I just like turn and wink at Alan, (laughs) to maybe know whether or not anything is in this room is listening to us, right now would be the time to check. Uh, And I want to use what I know, having put together and taken apart machines and all that, to try to figure out if there's any bugs anywhere in the room. You can roll me a fix check or a program check. Either one of us? You can roll to assist if you want. Okay, I'll roll to assist. Okay, so roll me a check. If you pass, then you can give him the plus one. So for my assist, if we're taking it as a straight roll, it's four. Uh, we'll take it as a four, but that will not help. Eight. You do a quick scan. Things could be. You're not entirely sure. That said, this is Fiddlesworth Falstaff's personal office, so the odds of there just being listening devices are low. It'd Plus, be like the mafia bugging itself. Probably yeah. committing treason right now, so like maybe not the best thing <laughs> the to record. The less evidence he has of that, the better. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking. So, Alan, we sort of got two options here. If you want to start to talk with these people and figure out how you might be able to bring gods back. I mean, who thought I'd be saying these words, eh? Like, this is nuts, isn't it, system? It is highly unlikely. I agree. Okay, so we can either have you talk to them. Maybe you could bring a god back. Maybe you could trade places with a god. I have no idea that might get you home. Or if you think he's an asshole, and I don't know. The Fiddlesworth that I knew became a complete fanatic. So I, I Okay, you lost me with the Fiddlesworth that you knew. Oh yeah. So in my dimension, there is also a Fiddlesworth who looks exactly the same as the Fiddlesworth here. There is a Fiddlesworth Falstaff in your universe. 
last name wasn't Falstaff, but yeah. So you had your own fiddles, right? Well, that's a, it's a hell of a coincidence on the scale of things. Yes. Also had our own Pim Pim and our own Ranger. Did you have an honor system? Not that I know of. Well, if you had everybody else, you gotta have a McCready. Am I right? Maybe. Just haven't met him yet. This is so depressing. You know, my father used to run a glass factory and he made the most beautiful canes. <laughs> I never met him. He died when I was young. <laughs> Good old Pappy Yarno. Yarno McCready, they called him. Yarno? I may have met a Yarno. Oh, well, good. It's good to know my family's being represented across the stars. Mm-hmm. So uh, you hear like a quick tap on the door and it seems like Falstaff's getting impatient. What do you want to do? You got to you got to pull the trigger on this one. Not literally, just metaphorically. I think we need the help of the mages that are being used. Because if we need more mages, this guy will theoretically help us get mages. Uh, oh, I think we should use him. The door opens. Perfect. All right. So this is Alan and Alan knows how to use fucking magic. Hi. <laughs> yeah, okay. A magic user named Alan? <laughs> Quite unlikely. A demonstration is in order. Quite. Let's see. I guess I'll do the one with the most flair and I disappear and reappear on the other side of the room. I close the door behind Fiddlesworth. Oh, interesting. A mage. Tell me, ha- have you been to the other side? What's the other side? Well, are, are you from here or from elsewhere? I'm from somewhere else. Definitely not here. <laughs> you know what, Honor System? Why don't we just go sit in a corner and we'll let these two sort it out? <laughs> But you seem to know what I'm going through. They, I just can't believe they were right. Who? Well, the rest of the prodigals. They all want to leave. But I knew, I knew that our saviors would come from afar. Tell me, have you seen the goddess? Is she still out there? Which goddess? Suddenly his expression becomes very familiar to you and he says, Moonhammer. I kind of swallow. <laughs> um, yes, I have. She survived. Of course she did. What about the others? What others? Well, the captain and the rest? The captain? Yes. What captain? Oh, I see. Okay. Well, at least Moonhammer survived. Uh, my family has prayed to her for generations, since before the Great Loss. I'm... Would you like to roll a check and get some more yeah, information? I Great. really would. <laughs> cool. So um, I'll let you use a D&D skill of your choosing. Will you do that? Team side party. Is there anything you want to be doing or trying to figure out or... Honor System would be listening intently to this conversation because this is all completely new to him and something that he's not familiar with and is probably somewhat fascinated by. I think I'd be splitting my focus a little bit. Declan instinctively mistrusts everybody. And mm-hmm. the moment they're the least bit involved in a corporation, like if you think about it, Oh, I need to hunt down the people who are trying to kill the corporations. What if I, a corporation, create a fake movement to lure in, I don't know, people who use magic and random rebels? And then if they're capable, I murder them. (laughs) So I'm still ready for that. Which means I'm probably lurking by the door vaguely threateningly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Kind of hand on pistol, ready to either take out the door or take out Falstaff kind of thing. I think I want to do a religion check and see if anything that Fiddlesworth has told me lines up with anything I learned. Because I read a lot and a lot of unusual texts. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, like, I know Undercommon. There's a lot of stuff that I've read into. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Uh, Okay, roll with advantage, please. Okay. That's 22. So you hadn't heard anything about Moonhammer prior to meeting Butthole Farch, mm-hmm. um, nor really had anyone else in your world. So like his faith in Moonhammer seems familiar, but sort of uh, that doesn't give you anything. You do have a couple pieces of information, though, that are kind of helpful for you. One is the concept of interdimensional shift. Even though it's never been proven, there have been theories about it sort of throughout time, particularly with regards to uh, an old, ancient word of mouth prophecy about something called the Great Collide, which seemed to imply something to do with dimensional shift. 
more importantly, about the idea that if multiple dimensions existed, gods could move between them and that Mm. might cause chaos in a variety of ways. For instance, if you have a god of love and another god of love shows up, what happens? They kiss. Oh, okay. So you're familiar with that theory of theology. The other theory, very little scholarly research comes out of the Underdark. Mm. But there are a couple of things that have been smuggled out. And apparently there was an unnamed philosopher, scientist in the Underdark who had some pretty broad ideas about how magic could be harnessed and the potential of twisting magic in, in more interesting and exotic mm. ways. It was written off as pseudoscience quack stuff, Mm -hmm. but none of this really makes sense to you. But yeah, you can kind of draw some vague understanding. So this guy's not crazy. You get the sense that he is fanatical, but that he's not crazy. Okay. Fiddlesworth looks at you and says, we haven't had anyone with any hint of magic here since Xanthus. Do you know him? Uh, Bourbon Trevor's like... Getting hot, like yeah, 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 just like a a tea kettle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we look over and he's actually vibrating just a little bit. We've never met, but we're loosely acquainted. He caused quite a problem for our sect. Although, frankly, I'm not quite on speaking terms with them right now myself. And why is that? Well, they want to leave. This world is worth saving. They just want to jump away to their other dimensions, yours, from the sounds Mm. of things. How do we get them to stop? To my mind, we we bring magic back to this world. Alan, if you are here and Xanthus is gone. Did he go to where you are from? That would be my best guess. That was his goal. Is it possible then for your kin, Fiddlesworth, to do the same? I'd hoped they would stay and and help us, but it is entirely possible they have left. Or that they plan to leave. Abandon the rest of this world to its non-magical fate. Well, let's say, you know, we've got Danthus's personal robot or something. It's the big one. And we've got Alan (laughs) on the scale of things. So... We've got somebody who was anchored to him at some point. We've got the robot. Maybe with some of your little bit of corporate lean-to, we might be able to get access to his lab. Do you think we could reverse the process, send Alan back, get Xanthus back? Maybe I just pop him two in the head. Then he's gone. We burn the research. Bingo, bango. Problem solved. I must say, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Xanthus removed from this world or any other. But in order to do so, you would need not necessarily access to his lab. Xanthus, at least in his time with us, was more concerned with harnessing quantum energy and and affecting other dimensions, sending through what he called port keys, objects he could use to anchor himself in other worlds, convince lesser minds to follow his cause. Um, Damn, lesser minds. He tricked you. But um, if you're looking for genetics, perhaps the easiest, the softest target, of course, is the disgraced house. House Antebellum. Go go find Unseen Hand Inc. Visit their labs. Where are they? He sketches out a map of the vertical city. He's like, here, somewhere on a map. <laughs> Beep, boop. <laughs> I take out my data slab and scan the map so I have it Yeah, recorded. exactly. Yeah. He airdrops it to you. Perfect. Yeah. Could you help us with maybe any cover that would get us an official invite in, or does this have to be a great old break and smash? Uh, he laughs and says, the place has been under quarantine ever since they were disavowed, but, you know, you, you should be able to sneak in. You seem like people of great cause. Can both of you roll me a no check, please? <laughs> that was what I wanted to do. Three. Eleven. Great. Declan, because of your interest in the fall of houses, you watched this with great glee. But uh, House Antebellum was one of the upstart houses. It was basically a startup that just attempted to soar far higher than it could. You don't know the details, but a little bit like watching the Fire Festival without the documentary. <laughs> you remember it was a train wreck, and it's one of the few houses that fucked up so colossally it was disavowed by the other houses. They specialized in genetics, and you know that their main corporation was called Unseen Hands, Inc. 
That being said, their facilities might still be out there. They'll likely be guarded in kind of like a crime scene do not enter way, but the house itself has collapsed. All right, that feels like it might be the next good move for us then. Absolutely. If you can obtain their genetic information from the lab, we'll be able to figure out A, how best to harness it, and, and B, if you truly are who you say you are from another dimension, we may be able to use your DNA sampling to mask the presence of people in our dimension, possibly of other mages. Us finding this for you is a pretty big bonus on the scale of things, so maybe financially there might be a little bonus for bringing this information along. He does that thing where he like rolls his eyes, pats himself down until he finds it. He pulls out three more of those black cards and literally just throws them in your face and says, the fate of the world is on the line. If all you care about is credits, there's 30,000. Take them, shut up, and help me save this world. I take the cards and I look at Honor System and give him a wink like I think this guy's an idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, sure, let's save the world then. And I tuck those cards away. He rolls his eyes and goes and sits back at his desk and says, pocket change. Fiddlesworth, in your estimation, how would you quantify the damages to House Typhus if we completed this endeavor? Their entire manufacturing wing is based on the abuse of of quantum energy. The entire mech line they are about to announce that has been in development now for months will be crippled if we're able to remove their source. If we're able to destroy the stack, House Typhus, we may even be able to find a way to deactivate their weapons planet-wide. Honor System looks at Declan, nods once and says, mission accepted. Well, good. Moonhammer be praised. Moonhammer. Sure, whatever. Side note, so if we pull this off about the money... You said pocket change, which makes me think there might be more down the line. Now, I agree with saving the world, but I also agree when the world is saved, I don't want to starve to death. <laughs> How many credits did you have in your pocket when you entered this room? I, I had 200, I've but just... I owe 50 to a guy who runs a, a noodle shop. <laughs> so really, I had like 150,000. Do you mean that's... That's what I had when I started? No, I mean, do you need 100? Oh, you had 150 when you came in here. I yes. just gave you 40,000 credits. So there's going to be more is what I'm saying, and you're agreeing. I'm saying you should be grateful for what you have, and perhaps first we can see if anyone other than the mage is useful. Okay. They've been useful so far. I gave them their agreed-upon amount quite some time ago. I'm sorry, is, is 40,000 credits not good enough for you people? And he pulls out a thing and just punches in a couple numbers. says, oh, one of them just uh, deleted itself. So, 30,000 credits. Shall I keep going? Of course you'll be rewarded. You filthy fucking scum. All right, we're good to go. <laughs> he gestures angrily, and Ranger and the guards come in and drag the three of you out. Alan, you can feel his eyes on you as you're dragged out of the room. Is that behavior that you recognize in your dimension's Fiddlesworth? It's close. Noted. I just didn't think it would be directed at us so quickly. I reach up. While just like smiling, because I seem totally normal going out, and I just tap my temple. And I've had one implant put in at the side <laughs> of my temple that can just play a list of names that oh, I've got that'll play over my that? right eye. Oh, absolutely. I'll offer you a devil's bargain. Oh, go for it. You are pretty sure that if you twist and draw, you could probably put a shot between his eyes on your way out the door. No, I don't think that's Declan's style. The one thing you learn as a sniper is patience. I don't want to shoot this guy and then find out we can't overpower the guards. I mean, we were just in a store where a mannequin was full of machine guns. I don't know how this club works. And they are top five house money, which means it could be crazy in here. So you walk out back into the club. You hear some pulsing beats and like the last lines, dude, bag. And then the DJ's like, 
one more time. And then Teenage Dirtbag starts again. This is overwhelming for Alan. <laughs> I'm just tapping that temple thing and I enter the name Fiddlesworth Falstaff just on a list that I have from all the way back when my unit died. I have the names of everybody I found who was involved in that. It's like a long-term kill list. It's like an Arya Stark yeah. list, only they're so big. <laughs> so and I'd, I'd like to imagine that originally the implant was just a standard issue for your squad and it was for orders and objectives and then you hacked it to be a name list. Like Definitely. Yep. Everything can be a weapon against the powerful. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're kind of brought back out into the club. You make your way down the road. I think you walk down the street and kind of pull into the scummy sci-fi equivalent of pub. So a little quieter. The lights are down. It's it's good for nefarious deeds. There's someone playing a weird sci-fi hollow clarinet thing. But it's dark and quiet enough that you can actually plan, possibly get some food if you need it. But more importantly, it's away from prying eyes. Great. So yeah, I think we'll grab a booth. We want something that's relatively equidistant to back door and front door. Right. You know, against a wall, but walled in so we can talk privately. We'll sit down. I'm going to turn to Honor System. We've done this a couple of times, this thing before, but I produce my data slab and I just say, I'd really like to have that recording of that last conversation that we had with the uh, fine gentleman, if you don't mind. After you copy it over, let's say, scramble out Alan altogether, scramble out me, scramble out you, remove any mention of the prodigals. But uh, I'd really like it if you could keep all that stuff about bringing down House Typhus and how they're just going to brutalize them. Because I feel like that recording could really pay off with a certain person who called us fucking garbage. And I take the tablet and begin the scrub and record. Alan, you've just gone through some shit. How are you doing? What's going on in your head? It's hard. Alan doesn't know what genetics means. Mm-hmm. So, like, what the fuck did we all just talk about? <laughs> um, bourbon Sherbet is observing you and then becomes eerily still mm-hmm. and just says, Pardon me, Mistress Allen, hold still, will you? Do you choose to hold still? I'll hold still. You hear, like, a little... And there's suddenly a sharp pain in your ear, and you can almost feel things moving around. You know that weird spot just behind your jaw? Uh-huh. Nope, 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 um, nope. And, uh, <laughs> I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. <laughs> and then it settles, and suddenly in your inner ear you hear, Ah, that's better. Now we can actually talk. Perfect. Yes. Although you no longer need speak out loud. You may see, and like, if this was a TV show, the camera would turn to Declan and you can see his jaw moving and his throat moving, but he's not making any noise. Yeah, I'm like staring mm. at the bar because everything about me is flawlessly casual as though I'm not having a yeah, conversation. Yeah, you're like drinking a drink while yeah. doing it, but it's clear if you're looking at it that he's talking. So Bourbon Sherbert quickly explains that a lot of communication in this world is done subdermally. So basically, if you mouth the words inside without actually speaking them out loud, Mm -hmm. but like mouth them, the sort of cochlear implant will pick them up as well as transmit back. So now you're able to both talk to them and more importantly, talk to bourbon silently, should you so choose. And I mouth with my mouth closed. Can I choose who to talk to? Oh, yes, of course. How? Bourbon Sherbert runs runs you through a quick thing, but basically it's the equivalent of near field communication. So... You know, if we left Declan three floors down, you can't, like, connect with someone across the planet with it. But um, It's not a cell phone. Yeah, it's not a cell phone. It's it's more like a walkie-talkie. But it's like a near-field communication walkie-talkie just so that units who are working together or, like, construction crews where everything's very loud can communicate Mm. with each other without being like, Hey, hey, Steve, you're moving back there. Yeah, moving back. Like I hear outside my office every fucking day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just a minor amount of nanotech installed along Whoa. your jawline. So I turn to the whole group and I'm like, everybody lean in. Here's the big question. There's sort of two ways we can play this. One, we do what fucko over there says, which is we go to the site, we steal the stuff, we bring it back to fucko, 
and then theoretically they bring down Typhus. But with the way the end of that conversation went, I feel like bringing down Typhus is more an interest in bringing themselves up equally. And we don't really need a new Typhus, but at the same time, Typhus is really bad and I'd really like to put a bullet in some of those fuckers. Or we agree that breaking the stack open is our ultimate goal. Yes. We go do this and then we try to fuck over Fiddlesworth Falstaff for the information to go there next. So it's step one, step two, step three. Then we just kill him in the end. Maybe we could call it an epilogue. <laughs> this is the clearest path we have had to Typhus's destruction and downfall ever. Yeah, we need more information. All right, so we got to go to the site. Mm-hmm. We have 30,200 credits. And we have a crime scene that we're not technically allowed to get into. Now, we could be cost effective and just break in and see how it all goes. Or I could call some of my contacts. I could put out some messages Maybe we could get ourselves some regulator uniforms and a regulator vehicle because we have the money right now. And then we go to the site. It all looks well and good. We get ourselves in with some fake stuff. Boom, look around, take what we need. Stealth would be the prudent approach. Declan, I'm going to have to trust you on this. Just don't fuck me over before we get to the stack. I don't have an interest in fucking you over. I now have a very strong interest in fucking over and I tap my (laughs) temple because I'm also bad with names. Fiddlesworth Falstaff, that's who we're fucking this time. You, you're part of the team now. Okay. You could have easily not come with us. You could have easily stayed where you were and lived in a fancy apartment and been all rich and shit. Instead, you're here because you care about other people getting screwed over by a corporation. That truly makes you one of us. Fuck the prodigals. We're the future. To the future. The future. The future. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not know whether I was allowed to join in on the camaraderie. You are not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? (laughs) <laughs> Honor system, I I feel like we should allow him as he is Alan's property. And that's sort of like, we don't want to say my gun is not included. Understood. There we go. Technically, you say stuff then. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll send out messages. My, I feel so included. Is this what friendship <laughs> feels like? Xanthus was right. We're better alone. And then Bourbon Sherbet, the survival rubric, goes over and just like... Hovers sadly near a drink and just kind of nudges it across the table trying to drink it, but like obviously can't. There's only so much you could fix in the world, you know? So I take my data slab and I just start kind of sending around some phishing messages to see where we could get some equipment. Uh, Can you roll me a connect check, please? (laughs) That's all three, but I have a power. Once per scene, you can re-roll a failed skill check, taking the new roll if better. That is correct. I'm going to use that. For those of you curious, that did total three, I think. Yes, that was three total. There was nothing else I had to do. Three is my number, so back off. Eight. You start sending out data calls, and then you realize that maybe they're a little too militant, so you start to alter it. And then all of a sudden, you see that it's very cleanly rewritten in a very engaging and vaguely attractive way, and it's showing up on better message boards. And you're very impressed with yourself, and then you look over and you see that Bourbon Sherbet, who rolled an 8 to assist, is giving you a boost by basically copy-editing your work (laughs) and, like, (laughs) routing it to the right sites. So you get some results back. You can get... Well, fuck me. You can get four outfits for the 30,000, although the quality of them is not great. They might be a little (laughs) murdery. How much is it for three? It's a batch of four. It's a Costco thing. Oh, yeah, that happens. Yeah. You know, they they picked up four. It's really hard to Look, sell it's one. It's really hard to yeah. sell one blood-soaked outfit, okay? Now, four blood-soaked outfits, <laughs> pretty good. I'm imagining we'll take the meeting. If they actually have what they say they have, yes. we can make the call, clean them up, repair whatever friggin' armor's busted. Maybe we can make the other three a little more whole with whatever's left of the fourth one. <laughs> That's actually a good point, yeah. Cool. So, Alan, you now, for the first time, have a subdermal implant. Is there anything you want to ask Bourbon Sherbert before we we get underway with the rest of the scene. 
Because while they're busy checking things, Honor System is probably the conduit through which a lot of these things are passing. Like you're plugging them into him and then he's kind of acting as the firewall who can decode. And Yeah, he's probably the best encryption system in the city. Because if he's an active AI, he can work faster than any computer and faster than a programmer. Yeah. Can you roll me a D&D? What skill would you use? Where does Alan's curiosity live? More like an investigation okay, cool. type of so thing. So if you could roll me, please, a D&D investigation check. Sure. 14. All right. I will give you three questions for a 14. This is hard. You can have a minute while they figure out the outfits. Team outfit team. You take a meeting with um, Declan. You've used him a few times. He's how you got your rifle modified. He wasn't in your unit, but he was in a unit and definitely took his hits over the course of combat. He's a man you know only as Freddy. He wears a red and gray striped sweater, and one of his hands got blown off in the war, and he's replaced it with, like, a bunch of clever tools. He's kind of a weirdo, but he's damn good at finagling stuff and finding things that other people don't want. Uh, He does a lot of dumpster diving, um, and he's got some, some pretty good contacts. So he's someone you're actually familiar with. And he's able to bring you the outfits. Two of them are definitely people who were shot multiple times. Is he bringing them to the bar? Let's say for now that this bar is kind of your temporary base of operations. It's our local... That's why we feel so confident talking. Cool. Hmm. What's it called? It might just be called artificial intelligence. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And who is the bartender, Tyler? The bartender is a cyborg. Uh, Actually, it's a cyborg. It's half orc, half robot, and his name is Car295 with a K, K-A-R-295. I'm imagining if this is our local one, then we can just do the deal in like a back room. That's like what, it's like, that's yeah, take I mean. a couple steps. You see Freddy come in and he goes over and he's like clacking his tool hand against the bar. And Car295 is like, please don't ruin my bar. Perhaps there's somewhere better you could do that. Perhaps over there. And he looks with his giant cyborg eye. And his organic eye. And Freddy's like, do we need to do this every time? Yes, we do. It's kind of my thing. And Freddy's like, ah, fine. I'll see you in your dreams. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't have that power. And he he goes down the hallway and he's got like a giant duffel bag over his arm. So he goes into a side room and there's like a bunch of themed rooms. Artificial intelligence has shitty fantasy in style suites, but they're sci-fi-y. So it's like a bed against the wall, small metal room. This one is done in floral print. It's really unnerving. So he comes in, he thumps the duffel bag down on the bed, and he greets you warmly, Declan. And he comes over and does an elaborate secret handshake with you. He has a mechanical hand. You're a robot. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. It's so fast, I've never been able to make it out. Yeah, exactly. Also, it would probably cut you up badly. And then he looks over at Alan. Oh, hi. And he takes off his little fedora and like tries to brush his hair back with his mm-hmm. French hands. And he's like, I, I, I didn't know we would have polite company. And he looks at you both angrily. And then he does a very adorably terrible gallant bow to you and says, my name is Frederick. My friends call me Freddy. I'm a, a fixer, a man about town. And, um, and I don't believe I've had the pleasure. And I just do a small bow back to him. Said. Alan. And I followed up by saying, she killed two regulators earlier tonight. Subdermally, you all hear, oh, fuck, and I thought I was already in love. My God, she's the perfect woman. And then he looks up at all of you guiltily and ashamed. And Declan, you point out to Alan, his subdermal regulator has always been gently broken. So Mm. anything he thinks he's thinking or muttering gets broadcast at Nearfield. So he opens the bag and he pulls out the uniforms. One of them is barely uniform at this point. It looks like Swiss cheese. It's been shredded. And you can see there's some almost scraps of really bad faded jeans 
in it. And another one of them is similarly completely Swiss cheesed. There's definitely pieces you could take off, but they're both kind of useless. So looking at them, do you think we could make three whole suits or we basically have two suits and then scrap parts to make something? I'm about to go down the fucking Star Wars rabbit hole. So underneath Stormtrooper armor, there's the black ribbing. Mm -hmm. These guys, the armor itself is more plate-y than that. But underneath is that fabric. So that fabric is shredded on two of these things, and the front armor plates are toast. But the shoulder pads, the gauntlets, the leg pieces, and the helmet are intact on both of those two. The other two look like they were taken out. One of them is almost pristine. It looks like a shiv to the gut. The other one, the helmet is dented as though someone were bludgeoned. So you have armor pieces from two, one full suit, and another with no helmet. Honor System says, I advise a knight incursion. I completely agree. But first, got to settle on price here, Fred. You know I like you, because I've always liked you. I had a name for my rifle long before I met you, and you got the same name, which means there's a spiritual connection here. Now, you're telling me you want 30000 for these suits, and I would agree. Four regulator suits for 30000 credit. That feels like a pretty good deal. However... Right now, if I'm looking at these, I see two regulator suits and one piece of maybe highly bullet-resistant football pads. That's not really four suits. Like, these two put together don't even make a third suit. Unroll me in a pose check. What's your play here? I feel like this is just, like, appeal to sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, common sense. I, I think it's persuasion more so than intimidate. All right, roll me a check and add your charisma, please. Ten. He rolled a crit fail. So, um... He's a dummy. He sighs and he says, Yeah, listen, McCready, I'd never do you wrong. I mean, we both serve. It's just, I, I kind of fucked up, man. I kind of fucked up. There's a price on my head. And if I don't have 30,000 credits by the end of the day, I got some real bad people who are going to be after me right quick. Now, you're right. These are just two used blood fits and, and some spare bits. And I wish I could give them to you for less. And you know what? I will, because you're a straight shooter. But if I don't have that money, man, I'm dead. Who owns your chit there, my friend? It's Rathburns, Rathburn Enterprises. They hired me to do some hacking a while ago, and as you know, the Big Five doesn't take too kindly to failure. So the Big Five, as we know, I'm imagining we know who they all are in-game, but so far we've had Typhus, Ventress, correct? Ventus. Rathburn and FFS. FFNS. Can we ask what the fifth one is? Because I'm imagining we'd know that. Yes, it's a corporation called Amazon, and it's run by a man named Jeff Bezos, a walking glass chamber full of bees. I really hope I get to fucking kill that man. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, you owe it to the Rathburn. Odds are you owe it to a specific low-level executive if I know gambling circle. So who do you owe it to? It's his idiot step-niece, Tiffany Rathburn. Tiffany Rathburn. And I sub-vocalize, I click over to be able to get Alan and Honor System on the same thing. If we leave him alone, he's going to get fucking killed. However, maybe the regulators could make a nice little visit to Tiffany Rathburn and say that they've got a confidential informant who they need to be able to look after, so she's got to drop a certain debt. Little car ride, little visit, could be done. We only have two uniforms. Yeah, but I mean, the only two of us go. Unfortunately, I don't think we can send you because you're a giant robot. <laughs> But the rest of us could do it. Or we could just shoot Tiffany Rathburn, which I'm also surprisingly okay with. <laughs> I am concerned for your safety if we are too far apart. Also, shooting Tiffany Rathburn at this juncture would bring unnecessary attention to us. So do we just give him the 30,000? I would prefer it. However, if you wish to proceed with your gambit, I will wait in the car. That's... Give him the 30000 and we'll say he owes us a favor. Maybe we can call it in later on. Does that make sense? Trusting you. Yes. All right, there we go. Back into, like, regular conversation. We'll give you the 30000 because we like you alive. But here's the deal. You now owe us 
the extra money. Because I'd say two and a bit suits is probably worth about two and a bit of the spread. So probably about 17.5. I mean, we're also paying off the people who saw us kill some regulators. These corpses don't come cheap. I'll tell you what, to make it 20, we're good. I'm going to give you 30,000. No, I know. But in terms of my payback, I'll pay back 10. You're an interesting fella, Freddie. Just saying. Let's call it 11. We'll split it nice and even. That gives you 19. Yep, that's good. That's good. Hey, you're you're doing me solid. I appreciate it. Deal. We might take it in form of favors. So we'll be in touch if we need anything. Right. Well, here's here's a freebie to get you started. Freddie has the capability to upgrade one of something for the three of you. So you guys can determine what you want upgraded. He can tool up armor. He can improve a weapon. And if you want to reveal Alan's nature to him, he might have something for her. Because you know he's got weird shit that he can do. Well, that's interesting. I think Declan and Honor System, you have a bunch of people running around with implants that give them vaguely psionic powers, but barely. Mm. What happens if you give a mage that? However, that would also mean bringing him in and would also be a risk. Could we just sell it as we need a psionic implant? Like if we've seen the attempts and we think that's what's going to link over? You could, but those are so rare that it would likely clear his debt. Back to subverbalization. So if we blow all the money, we could maybe give you a little boost there, Alan, in the supernatural powers department. Alan, are you open to receiving psionic enhancement surgery? Is it safe? As safe as any other black market thing. I mean, you've got a gun, but that could explode at any moment. It's always a question mark. And magic does feel mushy? Here's what I'd say. I don't think Freddy would fuck you up on purpose. Because Freddy seems to have a real crush on you. He's <laughs> holding his hat adorably. Um, his wrench and knife hands have cut through it. Like, he's clearly wrecked this hat. But it's a fedora, so wasn't it already wrecked by the MRA movement? God. I just think to myself, I'm all in at this point. No, you're Allen at this point. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Bourbon. That was pretty good. <laughs> As I said, improv training. <laughs> yes, let's. If you think that would be the best enhancement that we could get. I think it's the only thing that would actually surprise any we go up against. I am curious to know your potential. Okay, let's do it. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons 2099 features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. The system we're playing is called Stars Without Number, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at DelBorovic.com. Our theme songs are Core Collapse and Sanctuary of the Sky Gods by Nathaniel Yavern, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Now I'm off to do future things before we return for the next episode of... Dum Dums and Dragons 2099. Annan returned to find her forsaken merch cart empty. In recent months, it had become more battle wagon than merch cart, but the result was still unacceptable. Who stole my fucking forsaken merch? Annan found herself swearing aloud more and more these days, for a former hotel manager turned talent manager turned unending rage and punishment god-killing celebrity promoter turned freedom fighter now? she guessed. Her resume was growing increasingly strange. She twisted her lip in deep, furious thought, considering the looted cart. What had seemed like a natural step up, 
Ghostwriting a book, managing a celebrity, selling merch by the wagon load was rapidly becoming more dangerous and less lucrative. Hell, just today she'd killed 10 people. 10. It wasn't an ethical problem, but a logistical one. How the hell was she supposed to keep making bank when she was busy lobbing grenades at slavers? Granted, slavers were shitty and not her target demographic, so it's not like she was losing customers, but she was losing opportunities, and that made Annan furious. Idly, she wondered if Merle Streep's offer to represent her was still on the table. Honestly, if it wasn't for Genny, her hands moved subconsciously to her stomach. The baby had been kicking plenty during the combat. They'd be a fighter, she knew. Where was the little blue bastard anyway? She'd seen the battle wagon's gun run out of ammo halfway through the battle, and last she'd seen, Yevgenovich, her unlikely love, had winked at her and leapt off the wagon, a dagger in each hand wearing his battle stilts. <laughs> Crazy little bastard loves those stilts, she thought with a smile. Tearing her eyes away from the looted cart, she searches the chaos. Bucky and Von Strauss seem to have disappeared, but that doesn't surprise Annan. The only real constant in her life has been her Genny, who surprised both her and himself by becoming the greatest love of her life. Butthole's right, she thought. The gods must be crazy. But somehow, against all the odds, it works. But then she sees it. She almost missed it. A flash of blue amidst the wreckage. Before she knows it, Annan is running. No, 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 no! His small form is surrounded by bodies, but his chest has been blown right through. A laser blast, the edges of the wound cauterized by the extreme heat. Annan drops to her knees, cradling his small head. His black eyes briefly roll open. Oh, <laughs> hey, love. He coughs out green blood. Hey, idiot. Way to run out of ammo. He laughs weakly. Oh, that wasn't the problem. Getting shot. <laughs> that was a problem. <laughs> Annan kisses his forehead tenderly. Yeah, that was really fucking dumb. They laugh together. Relishing the moment. I'll... Annan's voice cracks. I'll, um, I'll, uh, take care of the little one. Yevgenovich smiles. I know. You always took care of me, and I'm plenty little. <laughs> Annan can feel him going. She strokes his head. You, you, um, you could stay, you know. We could try and find Raxenort. Yevgenovich sighs. <laughs> no need, he's... And Yevgenovich is gone. Annan screams, not in horror, but in sorrow and rage. The remaining combatants stop and look toward her, but the look she gives them tells them to give her her space. Fuck this, she growls. Anything is better than this. It's time for a new start. Who knows? Maybe the planteers are hiring. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Graham Shapiro is a decent man. Gideon Media's hit sci-fi thriller, Give Me Away, returns. There's a lot of people screaming in that prison right now. So screen me. Just know up front, I'm going to have input. What happened? Are you all right? Dad. Tell us everything. It seems like you want to scare us into thinking you're going to let us starve. But should your treatment of us ever cause this decent man to let me off the leash again, anything is possible. Give me away season two, starting April 11th.